1: And even...
2: Checkout's not until 4,
0: so...
1: Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply. Billie Eilish and
2: Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call.
5: You're listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 Do not, do not, I repeat, do not touch that dial. You heard the man. It's time for Fox Sports Sunday, and we've got a lot on the docket tonight, so let's get busy. And on that note, please put your seat backs forward, your tray tables upright. We are ready for takeoff. My name is Bernie Fratto. Coming to you live from Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. We'll take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific. 6 a.m. Eastern, along with my savvy and capable crew, Bo Benson, Chris Perfett, and of course Monty Bolaños on the updates, as they will all man the ship from our Los Angeles compound. Now tonight is going to be our last chance to talk NBA Finals, so we will touch on that a little bit later. There are some interesting aspects and some factoids that made this a really sort of unusual, bizarre finals we'll also touch on some nhl about half an hour from now uh i think the uh, uh avalanche are checked at the tampa bay lightning are trying to get the license plate of that zamboni that just ran him over but hey they've been down before the series is not over we'll see what happens uh man deshaun watson he doubles down come on man i've got some real advice for him that might if he would listen to me he might be able to make this go away in the next 60 days uh, and it's not going to be easy, and I know he's got—he's not going to listen because he's a knucklehead. But stay tuned. I'll, I'll give you my thoughts. By the way, which school is under investigation for the uh, or by the NCA for possible NIL improprieties? I'll tell you. Plus, Charles Barkley speaks out again, uh, not on the LIV tour. Something else it says scares him, and of all people, this will surprise you. But look, as we take you up to 3 a.m., we're going to be playing all the hits in the world of sports. That plus what kind of brand new fool are you and what my name in the final hour. But first, the gift that keeps on giving. Yes, the first LIV tournament is in the books, and the buzz is crazy. It's nuts. If you don't think this has gotten the attention of the PGA, let me tell you a little story and draw a significant parallel, wait for it, that actually led to the formation of the Super Bowl. You heard me right. This is real. S just got very real. So let's dive into it. I believe the LIV tournament circuit is a lot like the old AFL, only scarier. You're going to want to hear this. Let's set the stage. Unless you've been living on Mars or under a rock, You probably heard of the new live golf tournament circuit. Okay. There's six tournaments remaining in 2022 and one's in the books. It was one last week by Charles Schwartzel who earned a cool 4.7 million for three days work. Now mind you in the last four years, Schwartzel had entered 57 tournaments and missed the cut 29 times. And for his efforts in that period of time, cumulatively Charles Schwartzel earned on the PGA tour, his earnings totaled 3 million. You heard that right. In day one, on one day in the LAV tour, he clips that number by sixty percent. Not for nothing, where well, the LIV event was taking place in Lemon at precisely that same time, a PGA event was taking place in Canada. It was won by Rory McElroy. He collected one point five million. Not bad. But it was less than a third of what Charles Schwartzel got. However, while in the winter circle, McElroy got to take a shot at Greg Norman, who coincidentally is the CEO of the new Live Golf Tour. So what exactly in the wide world of sports and the hell is going on around here? In short, here's what's going on. The Saudi Arabian royal family, they have launched a professional golf tour in an effort, effort, I believe, to generate a more favorable public relations image to a ruling family that I think is indeed of a public relations makeover. Now, the money in the LIV tour had to guarantee PGA golfers to convince him to bail out on the U.S. tour, and w- this is money you can only describe as crazy, stupid, impractical, and, and frankly, senseless. The guarantees, reportedly over $100 million in several cases, will consign this tour to negative numbers. They'll be in the red, but I, I don't think they care. The Saudi family's got over $600 billion, up to a trillion from what I hear. But that's not the point here. This is about image renovation. Make no mistake, they have the full attention of the PGA. And if past this prologue, my gut tells me we're heading toward a day of reckoning. Not today, not tomorrow, not next week, but we're heading toward that day. Because much like the old AFL, when they got no respect from the NFL, they took action. So you don't think history can repeat itself? Trust me, it was a longer shot back in the 60s. So I want you to travel back in time with me and I'll tell you a little story because here's the spoiler alert. It ends up becoming a little thing called the Super Bowl. In 1964, there was a bidding war and it was a raging, actually it was a war between the NFL and the AFL. You had this young, newer, sleeker, offensive AFL that was bucking sort of the long, established, stodgy old NFL and the AFL wanted respect. So what did they do? They engaged in a bidding war for the NFL's top talent. Now, this carried on for the better part of four years, but it became far more intense when the AFL went to court and they got a, 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 a they, they sued the NFL and they got a ruling in favor. The Houston Oilers, uh, Oilers got a ruling in favor over the team they sued, the Los Angeles Rams. And what that meant was, okay, this required a legally binding final decision because both clubs had signed a highly talented player, the uh, the Heisman Trophy winner from LSU, a famous player by the name of Billy Cannon. But only one team could have him, but the courts ruled the AFL could have him. So what happens? The stakes continue to elevate for the best college talent, and sky-high bonuses basically became reality. And every day you'd hear a story. That's how the AFL's New York Jets got Alabama quarterback Joe Namath in 1965. They signed him for four hundred and seven thousand dollars. Now, 1965, that was an astronomical amount of money. Now, not to be outdone, the Atlanta Falcons they paid six hundred to a Texas, six hundred thousand to a Texas linebacker by the name of Tommy Nobis. The Green Bay Packers paid over seven hundred thousand to a Texas Tech running back named Donnie Anderson. But the straw that broke the camel's back happened when the Buffalo Bills, they had a a place kicker named Pete Gogolak. He signed with the New York Giants after playing on his option with Buffalo in 1965, but this was determined to have violated the no tampering code, and now it was all-out war. In April of 1966, the AFL commissioner, a guy by the name of Joe Foss, realized, I'm in over my head. I can't take it no more. My heart's going to give out. I resign. Who enters as the AFL commissioner? A guy you may have heard of. Al Davis, the GM of the Oakland Raiders. He assumed the reins as commissioner of the AFL. And you talk about a hawk. You talk about a man with presence. You talk about a man with a clever game plan. Al Davis created history. What he did, he organized an AFL war chest. He urged all the owners to start collaborating with the stated intent of rating NFL stars. Now the NFL had always bragged of its superiority largely due to the number of star quarterbacks the league had. So what did Al Davis do? Fine. We are going to engage in a full scale effort to sign all those quarterbacks and bring them over to the AFL. True to form. When Al Davis wants something, he gets it. The Raiders They went after Rams quarterback, Roman Gabriel. They got him. The Houston Oilers went after San Francisco's 49ers quarterback, John Brody. They not only got him, he agreed to a five-year deal. Within five days, eight NFL quarterbacks, they all began dickering with the AFL to see what they could get. By the time you got to June, the NFL, they blinked. And so less than 2 months after Al Davis became commissioner, he got what he really wanted. He got a merger deal between the AFL and the NFL. Now, along, uh, although the actual merger wouldn't, you know, officially take place until 1971, there were many implementations that took place right away. They established a common draft in 1967. They began interleague preseason play in 67 within 3 years regular season contests combined the leagues uh, check that within 3 years regular season contests combining both leagues commence so you started to see games in 1970 during the regular season between the AFL and NFL which is commonplace now but most importantly the immediate establishment of a championship game between the AFL champ and the NFL champ it was formed Had a very clever name, too, by the way. It was called the AFL-NFL Championship Game. (laughs) Yeah, not real. Had kind of a drab ring to it. And there's a lot of conjecture, by the way, as to how the actual name Super Bowl was born. One popular story uh, that has been bandied about has to do with some high-level executive scratching his head at home one weekend trying to come up with a catchy name when he noticed his son bouncing a ball, which was a huge famous toy many years ago called a Super Ball, Super Ball. And it was a famous toy from the 60s, and it caught. Now, not everybody agrees that story is accurate. We don't know, but it's a story out there. Common belief also is that some some sports writer whose name we still don't know to this day just coined the moniker one day out of nowhere, and it just somehow stuck. But the Super Bowl was born. And Look, fortunately for professional football and all the fans, this is a story that actually had a very happy ending. Not your kind of happy ending, Rusty Harden, but a happy ending because here's why. Cooler heads prevailed. Roman Gabriel stayed with the Rams. He never went to the Raiders. John Brody stayed with the 49ers, but he actually did manage to collect a million-dollar settlement. Meanwhile, Al Davis, just 30 days after the merger, he resigned as commissioner. Mission accomplished. But look what was created. For the rest of us, Come on, the Super Bowl's been an amazing event in almost every way. you got the parties, the stories, the office pools, the celebrations. I have personally been to three Super Bowls, and I covered Super Bowl in an official capacity for CBS Radio in 2006, Super Bowl 40 in Detroit, Seattle against Pittsburgh. But there's all the things. It's a two-week convention for the NFL, and then, of course, culminates in the game itself. And this is what you call the circle of life. Al Davis, rest his soul, it's fair to say, None of this happens. If you're watching the Super Bowl next year, just think of this. Try to remember this story. It's fair to say none of this happens without the shrewd intervention of Al Davis and the real threat the AFL brought to the NFL. The moral of the story, the unthinkable, did happen. And it can happen. And why was it unthinkable? Because back then, the AFL was seen as goofy, gimmicky. Even Vince Lombardi called it a Mickey Mouse League. Even though... The AFL won two of the first four Super Bowls. Well, see, the, right now, the LIV golf tournament circuit looks a little wacky, too. You got a shotgun start. You got team completion, team logos, a leaderboard graphic. The leaderboard graphic. What the hell is that? Have a few of your favorite beverages and stare at that for a minute and tell me what you come up with. Oddball color schemes and fonts. You can't even tell what the hell it is, but make no mistake. Jay Monaghan and the PGA, yes, they are very much looking over their shoulder. Now, nothing's going to happen overnight, okay? The PGA right now is almost two years into a $7 billion media rights deal with uh, CBS and NBC and ESPN. And again, Department of Redundancy Department, it runs for the next seven years. So that gives Jay Monaghan seven more years to find a way to keep those business associates content while also finding a way to endorse and develop new stars. The other option is swallowing their pride and letting the LIV Tour players come back, which in my view, it's entirely possible if this goes to court, the courts will order him to do so if the lawsuits start flying, and I believe they will. And oh yeah, by the way, Greg Norman, that CEO of the LIV Golf Tour, he's offered full legal representation to any LIV player who needs it. Meaning, if you want to sue for the rights to play in the PGA Tour, they'll pay for your legal fees. How about that? That's full-time job almost with benefits. Now, in addition to this, remember, every player gets a $120,000 guarantee just for showing up every week. You can show up, you can finish dead last Collect 120 grand. Play all seven tournaments, finish last, and all of them make 840 grand on the tour. Good work if you can get it. I can't think of the name of the gentleman, Adam, somebody who finished last last week in London. He was 24 over par, 120 grand. The real winner here, though, think about this. Work with me. The real winner here, much like the AFL NFL merger, are the fans, the fans of professional golf. Now, I get it justifiably, many folks are going to have an uneasy sensation when it comes to supporting the LIV Tour, but even those fans could benefit from the PGA Tour having to scramble and get creative to stay on top. And that might not be so easy, because remember, the PGA Tour was structured and established as a nonprofit organization. And to do so, and by doing so, they saved $200 million in taxes. But by also doing so, they're not allowed to pay players directly. Back to the Super Bowl. Remember, in case you missed it, the AFL won two of the first four Super Bowls, including Joe Namath and the upstart Jets in Super Bowl three in 1969 when they were 17-point underdogs. The Jets were a 17-point underdog. Now you got the LIV. They got Phil Mickelson. And at the rate they're going, the LIV might be favorites. This is something to stay tuned and watch. We are... Look at all the press conferences this past week prior to the U.S. Open teeing off. All they talked about, and Brooks would kind of fired back on him, saying all you're doing is creating a cloud over the U.S. Open. By the way, Kepka's brother, I believe, plays on the Live Tour. But again, I digress. Stay tuned. I think this is going to be a fun story to watch. And remember, everybody laughed in the mid-60s. They're not laughing now. When you watch the Super Bowl, draw the parallel. It's legit. Coming up, you heard Monty mention Charles Barkley earlier. Charles Barkley said there's something that really scares him, and you're not going to believe what it is when I tell you. I'm Bernie Frado. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. Keep it locked right here. You're listening to Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports
3: talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at FoxSportsRadio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.
0: I'm George Reister, host of the Reister or Wrong podcast. This is the intersection where sports, business, society, and pop culture meet the truth
1: And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply.
5: We're back on Fox Sports Sunday. Fox Sports Radio. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. We'll take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific. 6 a.m. Eastern, man. We're just getting started. All right. Barkley's name, Charles Barkley, has come up multiple times already on this show. And he he gave an interview recently. He said there's something that really scares him. It's really scary. And, uh, you know, don't drive your car off the road, please. If you're uh, swallowing a drink right now, please don't try to throw it back up. Charles Barkley said he's concerned about, wait for it, the proliferation of sports betting. But with, you know, now legal sports books and over 30 states, and there are actually some legal sports books that are located inside NBA arenas, he admits, and by the way, he's a self proclaimed big time gambler, he admits there's no turning back at this point. Yeah. But Barkley said there's too much of it. He was at a media event. Recently, during the annual American uh, Century Celebrity Golf Tournament. He says, we've got people in the stands betting on who's going to make the next free throws. No, we don't. Maybe between each other. Maybe a couple of knuckleheads who've been hooked up to a blender since noon. But that's just not true. And Barkley went on to say, you know, if I was a player and I I was a scumbag, and I would look up and say, hey, I'm going to miss both these free throws on on purpose. No, that's cheating. I mean, the silliness is silly, uh, beyond silly, right? But look. We all love Barkley. He can get away with this stuff. And Barkley, the, the other irony of this is that he's actually a brand ambassador and spokesperson uh, for the sportsbook operator FanDuel. He has been for a couple years, and he even gives out picks on Inside the NBA. And, you know, the NBA, has frankly, has embraced sports betting and the sports betting markets in the the United States because – it's the law now. I mean in 2018 the US Supreme Court they struck down the PASPA Act which was the Professional Amateur Sports Protection Act and that was a federal statute that had been around since 1992 that restricted regulated sports betting to basically only Nevada. And since that ruling now you've got 35 states and the District of Columbia they've passed legislation and in the first quarter of 2022 26 billion with a B, billion with a B was bet with US sports books. And if you don't think this is caught on and people like it and it's a huge form of entertainment, that's 103% over what it was just a year before in that same quarter. So as the market has grown, so sports betting advertising and national TV ads, there is a 281% increase year over year of TV ads according to organizations that measure this type of, uh, type of, you know, these types of endeavors and the impact of TV streaming advertising. Now, Barkley claims that he had an NBA owner say to him in the next three to five years they're going to be making triple what they do on television revenue. And when you get to that point, Barkley, that's when he said he thinks it's really scary. He says, come on, if you can, if you can bet if a guy's going to make two free throws in the middle of a basketball game, that's obsessive. I don't know where he got that. And, and, and maybe even if that happened, that happened before it was legalized. So what are we talking about here? And then Barkley, he goes on to say like a word salad. Listen, gambling's always been a part of sports. That's why the NFL is King Kong. <laughs> King Kong. But I, I'm concerned that you can sit in the stands and make bets now in the middle of a basketball game. You could before. You don't think people did it illegally? You know, we talked about the Super Bowl. In the Super Bowl, every year in Las Vegas, that's a new record in terms of how much was bet here legally in the Las Vegas regulated market. Last year was about $160 million. Before it was ever legalized, let's go back to, to January of 2018, February of 2018, that would have been Super Bowl 52. I know the handle in that game was probably about $130 million in the only regulated market that was legal, that was Las Vegas at the time perhaps New Jersey as well but in Las Vegas about 130 million was bet. You know how much was bet across the country, most of it illegally and offshore, 5 billion. 5 billion with a B. So it's not like this is something that's brand new. The irony is while expressing these same concerns Barkley often talks openly about his enjoyment to gambling, including in his own golf game and we talked about this last week. The Lake Tahoe Tournament, which is coming up, last year Barkley placed hundred grand on himself to finish in the top 70, and he finished 76th. And then the sportsbook refunded his money due to a Nevada state regulation that prohibits customers from betting on an event in which he participated. Barkley was pissed. Why? Most likely because if he won, he wouldn't have been able to collect it. So what's he going to do? He's going to bet again. He's going to have someone go place the bet for him. Maybe that's the part. That's really scary. Coming up, what's scary? The Colorado Avalanche. Wow, they've been taking it to the Tampa Bay Lightning. I'll tell you how. But first, well, let's go to the individual who is just an absolute wizard trivia. Watch, (laughs) Monty. Monty, here's a trivia question. Oh no. What state in the union has the most pencils? What state
4: union has the no, most what,
5: what what state in the union what, what which one of our 50 states has the most pencils
4: Has the most pencils I'm gonna right. guess some um, California.
5: Close, Pennsylvania. Uh, <laughs> I'm here all week. Don't forget to try the semi-bonus spaghetti. It's Monsi oh, with no, the update. No,
4: now you got to go with Rob Parker at the Comedy Store. Now you need your own night.
5: What yeah, are you talking I, I, I can, about? I can do it Oh, I can do it. Trust, trust
4: me. <laughs> well, listen, the Angels also can do it. They finally got a couple of wins under their belt. They swept the Mariners today in their doubleheader. Mike Trout homered in both games. He now has 20 homers for the season. The Dodgers beat the Guardians. But after the game, uh, head coach... Doc, uh, I was going to say Doc Rivers. <laughs> Dave Roberts said that Mookie Betts suffered a cracked rib yep. on Wednesday, and so he's going to the injured list. There is no timetable for his return, unfortunately. The Mets beat the Marlins, and they still have the, ba- the best record in the National League at 44-23, and but the Yankees continue to win ninth straight win as they shut out the Blue Jays. They have the best record in baseball at 49-16, and well, while the Cubs ended the Atlanta Braves' 14-game winning streak earlier today after beating them 6-3. to in NBA news, Kenny Atkinson has informed the Charlotte Hornets that he won't become the franchise's new head coach and he will remain with the Golden State Warriors as their, as their top assistant. They had agreed on principle to a four-year deal, but a contract was never signed. While the Los Angeles Lakers have agreed to hire Atlanta Hawks assistant Chris Gent as Darvin Hamm's top assistant coach on his staff, they actually worked together for the Hawks in 2017 and 18, uh, so they have some history. Out on the Tennis um, in, in, out on the tennis court. Naomi Osaka has withdrawn from Wimbledon. She's citing lingering problems with her left Achilles tendon. This is the second consecutive year that she's decided to sit out of the Grand Slam tournament. Unfortunately for her. And you're gonna get you're gonna talk about game two of the Stanley Cup final. Yeah, mm. tell everybody what happened because it was a great game. So back to you, Bernie.
5: Question for you: You cover the Dodgers, right?
4: Yes, I work for the Dodgers. So yeah.
5: I heard a, a rumor that the way that. Mookie Betts got a cracked rib is when he was eating crack crab. Is that
4: true? No, no, he's a vegan. What are you talking about?
5: He might have been cheating.
4: <laughs> he might have been cheating. No, it's because he ran into Cody Bellinger. They ran into each other out in the outfield. I know. It was one of those, one of those, those unfortunate plays that could have been avoided, but they ran into each other. And he has a cracked rib, and they don't know how bad it is. They don't know if it's a hairline fracture or something worse.
5: All right, hopefully he's back yeah. quick and Dodgers having a good year. All right, yeah, thanks, Monty. Of course. All right, I talked about this uh, a little earlier. Uh, I, no one saw this coming. Tampa Bay 7 uh, nothing tonight over Colorado. They take a two-game. Wait, I got that backwards. Forget. forget uh, let's rewind it. <sighs> Colorado 7 nothing over Tampa Bay. They route the Avalanche route the Lightning. They take a two-zip series lead. No one saw that coming. You can't tell me you saw that coming. Two minutes into the game, Valerie Neshushkin. he opens up the scoring. He added another goal in the second period. He's a beast for Colorado. Uh, he's got eight goals and five assists through, eight, through 16 playoff games. This is a guy the Golden Knights need, someone who's a beast when it matters most in the playoffs. When you Colorado just have players built for this time of year. Cale McCarr also recorded two goals for the uh, for the Avs. Now he's a defenseman, but he's got seven goals. And seventeen assists during the playoffs. I think the ABS were like thirteen or fifteen and two during the playoffs. Meanwhile, you got uh, you know uh, uh, Josh Manson and Darren Hill. Several guys chipped in. This is the first time in Andre Vasilevsky's career, and I think currently he's the best goalie in the world. He's given up three first period goals in back to back games. And meanwhile, let's not bury the other lead uh, Avalanche goalie Darcy Kemper. He he pitches a shutout. So, Tampa Bay knows they have to man up. They've got to be much better. Colorado's playing at a much higher level than Tampa Bay is right now. How are they doing it? They're dominating every aspect of the game. One of the things I've noticed about Colorado, because I didn't expect this against Tampa Bay, but it was obvious against other teams, the Avs play with a pace that no one seems to be able to contain, even Tampa Bay. I didn't bet the game tonight. I can't take credit for seeing that coming. But I thought after Tampa Bay saw Colorado speed up close and personal, they'd adjust in game two. They have not been able to contain that pace, especially in transition. And the truth of the matter is the Lightning didn't do a very good job of neutralizing Colorado's speed or their forecheck. And in their own, you know, Tampa Bay had to play. They were pinned down on their own zone quite a bit of the game. And when they did get out, Tampa really struggled in transition. They couldn't get much going in the offensive zone. And they, uh, the 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 lightning were shot tonight, thirty-one to seventeen, and and in high danger chances, uh, Colorado had ten, and Tampa Bay only had four. Again, I really can't get my mind around what's what's happening. Um, Colorado's a fast team; they always give opponents a ton of trouble. Clearly, the Avs are on a mission. They got knocked out last year by the Golden Knights. They're pissed. They haven't won a. Stanley Cup since, I believe, 2001 or 2002. Tampa Bay has won two in a row. You'd think they'd run out of gas eventually, and maybe they have. We're going to see Monday night. But how impressive are Nishushkin and Makar? These guys are putting on displays as dif- difference makers, the stuff legends are made of. Uh, Makar got his first two goals of the Cup final. Uh, he's had an incredible season, if you're keeping track of what has done. He's had 110 points in 93 games. Now, remember, there's only 82 in the regular season, but in the playoffs, uh, he's had... He, he, well, I don't think he played all 82 games, but in the 93 games he's played, he's, he's managed 110 points. It's almost like Gretzky territory. He's now got 24 points in the playoffs, and here's the kicker. Cale McCarr, he's only 23 years old. I stuck off for Jason Tatum. He's only 24. He was getting buried because of his 100 turnovers, but you can't really... You know, you you've got to give you you can't really overshadow what Jason Tatum did against against Brooklyn and Miami and and uh, and you know just getting to the finals in Milwaukee. But McCarr's only twenty three, and, and it's not just offense. He 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 dominated in all areas of the game with McCarr on the ice, five on five, shot on temps, shot attempts. They held uh, Tampa Bay to only four shot attempts, and uh, Avalanche you know ninety one and a half percent of their expected goals. So what has really stood out during the first two games? Real simple. One, Colorado's forechecked very hard. They've taken away time. They've taken away space. They've limited shots. And all the while, they've absolutely maintained tremendous offensive potency. Yeah, 10 goals in two games. Tampa Bay really hasn't generated any consistent offense either game, but in large part because Colorado and their puck possession, they're basically playing keep away. Here's what's really scary for Tampa Bay. The Avalanche got Darcy Campers best showing in the playoffs in Game 2. If that continues, I can't see Tampa Bay coming back. I, I just can't. But you also saw Tampa Bay down 2-0 to the Rangers and down 2-0 in Game 3. The Rangers, though, once Tampa Bay made their adjustments, it was game set match, and they came back and dominated the Rangers. Tampa Bay did, and the Rangers could not score five on five. Colorado is not New York, and it, and, and 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 you know heading into the series, it was believed Colorado had a sixty-one percent chance of winning. And when you've got a, a player by the name of Kale McCarr who's not only impacting the game. Uh, like a Wayne Gretzky or a Bobby Orr. Okay, this is not hyperbole because he's only 23. I guess he gets to do the rest of his career before we judge him in total. But when you have a defenseman impact the game this much in these these games that are that mean everything, uh, you're in rarefied air. The only other skater that's been this crazy during this postseason is Connor McDavid. All right, he put on a hell of a playoff run, and uh, he, but this is what this is what Kyle has done. But he doesn't have to do it alone. He's got guys like Nathan McKinnon, Gabriel Linskog. And again, if Darcy Kemper keeps up what he's got in goal, right, it's gonna be a long series for the Tampa Bay Lightning. I'm not I'm not counting him out just yet. Because I would, you know, Andre Vasilevsky has been incredible up until these last couple of games, and it's he's one of the biggest reasons, if not the biggest reason, why Tampa Bay is in position, still trying to win their third straight Stanley Cup, which would be that hasn't been done since the early 80s when the Islanders won four Stanley Cups. They'll need more help out of Victor Hedman and Nikita Kucherov. But, Tampa Bay, I remember Draymond Green said this about the Warriors after they went down 2-1. to one And, you know, they were in Boston. He says, we got a lot of guys in this room with championship DNA, and I believe the Tampa Bay Lightning do as well. But they've got a lot of puzzles to solve before they can come back. However, if Tampa Bay wins Monday night and they win convincingly, there'll be a different conversation. So let the series play out. It's the toughest trophy to win in all the sports, Lord Stanley's trophy. And you never can tell when you get things like bouncing pucks. Coming up real quickly, I talked about the sick money that the LIV tour is passing out. I'm going to get a little bit more specific. And uh, you'll be rolling your eyes when you hear some of the money some of these guys are getting. Incredible. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. Keep it locked. You're listening to Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. Discover BetMGM, the
0: betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more.
1: And even... Checkout's not until 4, so... Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply.
5: We're back on Fox Sports Sunday, Fox Sports Radio. Bernie will coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. Take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific. 6 a.m. Eastern. The sick money in the LIV tournament is sicker than sick. Let's break it down for you. By the way, you've heard you heard by now that Phil Mickelson was offered $200 million, which I believe he accepted, and Justin, uh, Dustin Johnson, 125000000 million. They're just paid that amount of money just to join the LIV. To give that some perspective, on the golf course, in his entire PGA career going back to 1996, Tiger Woods has earned 121 million dollars. Again, the, again, Tiger Woods has earned 121 million dollars on the PGA Tour on the on the course in winnings. Dustin Johnson just got 125 mil to join. Phil Mickelson got 200 mil to join. Now, just how big are these purses? And Again, you've got to give this. You've got to give this context. Last year, for instance, Justin Thomas, he won two point one million for winning the final major of the year. Uh, or no, check that. This most recent major, the PGA, Justin Thomas won it. He won uh, two point one million. And I, I mentioned this about an hour ago. Charles Schwartzel in LIV Golf's uh, their their inaugural tournament this last week in London at the Centurion Club. He won $4.7 He got $4 million for just finishing first, and then he got 750000 That was his share of the $3 million that additionally goes to the winning four-player team. And he did it. Charles Schwartzel did it in 54 holes. He didn't have to play 72 holes. And so why do they do that? That's See, this is where it gets so clever. The L-I-V, L-I-V is the Roman numeral 54. So you've got LAV golf. They play 54 holes. And the other thing they did was if you were to birdie every hole in a par 72 course, you would shoot 54, which no one's ever done. But if you do it on the LIV tour, you collect a small bonus of I think uh, it's only $54 million. Yeah. They're serious about this stuff. So how much money, how much prize money is on the line for each of the seven regular season tournaments this year? How big of a purse is on the line if you're in the team that wins it in the team competition let's have a little fun with numbers so again the tour seven events they've already had one i gave out the schedule last week there'll be weekends they go up against the pga but right now and i think it's going to grow from here because i think they the liv you know greg norman and the ceo of the liv tournament circuit they want to grow to 14 tournaments next year but this year they've committed about 255 million in total just for these seven tournaments. That's a drop in the bucket to the six hundred billion that the Saudi family has. Each every each event itself features a total purse of twenty-five million, including twenty million in individual prize money. Now that's based on traditional stroke play. Every week the first place finisher wins four million. I told you that's what Charles Schwartzel did. I also told you that Charles Schwartzel, since 2018, had entered 57 tournaments and missed the cut 29 times. So you get nothing in like Judge Schmales. for his efforts, though. In that period of time, cumulatively, for the tournaments he did qualify for, and the one he won, he earned a total in those four years of three million. You heard that right, three million. But in three days on the LIV tour, he grew that number by 60 percent. He got 4.7 million. And at the same time Roy McElroy was playing in Canada, he won the tournament it was an outstanding performance by him he got 1.5 million so here's where it gets even better so the first individual or the first place individual finisher gets four million the second place finisher gets 2.1 million the third place 1.5 and just slightly over a million for fourth place but if you just finish in the top 11 <clears throat> out of a field of 48. You get 500 grand. Every top 15 finisher receives at least 250 grand. And the last place, I, I mentioned this earlier, you can finish 48th. You get 120 grand just for showing up. Now the team stuff. An additional $5 million goes to the top three teams. There's only 12 teams. The top three, you get $5 million. $3 million for first place, $1.5 for second, and 500000 for third. So only players who participated in at least 4 of LIV's golf 7 tournaments this year are eligible for these prizes. These are special payouts. So there'll be $30 million in a pool for individual championship purses that will be awarded. First place wins 18 million, second place 8 million, third place 4 million. Now, there'll be an eighth event actually, and it's called the 2022 Team Championship. And what you're going to have are 12 teams of four players who will compete for the LIV Golf Championship purse of $50 million. The first-place team wins $16 million, split evenly four ways. The 12th-place team, you can finish last and get a million. <laughs> All right. So the first event is in the book, Centurion Club, last weekend. you got to wait now till June 30th, a couple weeks away, Pumpkin Ridge in Portland, Oregon. I believe they'll be going head up against a PGA tournament in, in Chicago that weekend, so some people might have to make a choice. Well, I think it's going to happen. Remember, the majors are not governed by the PGA. And so I really believe that the Masters hasn't said anything that they're going to ban anybody. uh So you might see guys selectively play in majors only and then the LIV tour if they're offered. But there'll be a tournament in New Jersey, another one in Massachusetts. In, in Illinois in, in September, then they go to Thailand in October, and then Jeddah, Saudi Arabia in the middle of October, then the final team championship, as I just mentioned, will be a Trump National in Doral. Yes, the LIV is here to stay. What did Ever Dirksen once say, a billion here, a billion there? Pretty soon you're talking real money. Speaking of real money, Deshaun Watson better pony it up. He's made it, and he needs to settle it. Because if he doesn't, he won't be playing. Keep it locked. This is Bernie Friday. You're listening to Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio.
0: Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia.
5: I'm Bernie Frado coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. We'll take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern. Just getting started, man. We got a lot of stuff to get to. And one of the stories that not only will not go away, the plot seems to sicken week after week after week. You may have heard of this guy because he's a He's fast becoming a household name, even for non-sports fans, and for all the wrong reasons. I'm talking, of course, about Deshaun Watson, who continues to double down. Said, "quote I never assaulted, disrespected, or harassed anyone." Memo, to Deshaun Watson, settle now. Okay, you've made fifty-one million in your career, as part of the. Two hundred and thirty million you got for going to Cleveland. I believe you received a signing bonus for forty-four million nine hundred and sixty-five thousand dollars. So you've got about ninety-five million to the good. You've got about another, I don't know, one hundred and eighty-five to go, and it's all guaranteed money when you eventually get back on the field. You know, you're college educated, Sean. You went to a good university, and as Sonny Corleone once said. What? Did you go to college and get stupid? I don't know what you're waiting for. Because at this point, no matter what happens, it's not going to be a situation for you that is obviously going to be something in the plus ledger for the rest of your life. And really, this this picked up a lot of steam when he appeared on the Between the Lions podcast last month and uh, I'm ta- not talking about Deshaun Watson. Excuse me, I'm talking about his defense attorney, Rusty Harden. He revealed how Watson was actually close to settling all the cases pending against him last fall before negotiations broke down because two of the women didn't want to settle. And Harden reiterated that on that same podcast, he's still not opposed to settling the cases if the necessary parameters align, meaning the payout makes sense. Now, I don't know what he was what he was offering, I, I know what I heard. I heard it was like a hundred grand each. I don't know if it's true. Don't know. I got a lot of sources on stories. You always hear me talking about the Harbaugh sources and all that, but not on this one. Talk to people, but I don't. I don't know as much as as some do. But I heard. I heard the you know hundred hundred grand. Well, see, things have changed a bit since. Two more cases have been filed against Watson. Two more could be on the docket, and let's put the rest of the idea that does Watson really want to see these cases through in court and clear his name? Here's why I'm not buying it because if they were willing to settle the cases last November, why wouldn't he be willing to settle now? So settle them, all of them, get it over with whatever it takes. And that means, you know, put on your seatbelt here. If you got to offer from a million each, you do it. 26 times a million is 26 million. You're still going to have well over 200 left over and you can get on the field and try to win a Super Bowl. You don't have a choice. If you want to continue to be stupid, you're going to dig you're going to dig it your hole further. You need to get this put behind you. And what's interesting is just this last week during mini camp Watson spoke again for 11 minutes and that's never a good thing. It's the first public comments he made since that wacky clunky introductory news conference back on March 25th. And he he didn't really say anything different or new. He clarified on Tuesday that he he doesn't need counseling because he didn't do anything wrong. He doesn't have a problem. now. he says he's in counseling with the Browns to make sure his mental part is straight so he can be prepared to walk on the field and be as sharp as he possibly can. Yeah, okay. Uh, He also said in March, Deshaun Watson, that he has no regrets over the allegations, but acknowledged just this last week, he acknowledged his response angered quite a few people. Frankly, I'm one of the people he angered. Again, when he says, quote, I never assaulted, disrespected, or harassed anyone, but at the same time, I do understand that I do have regrets as far as the impact it's had on the community and the people outside of just myself. That includes my family. That includes this organization. That includes my teammates in the locker room that I have to answer these questions. That includes the fan base of the Cleveland Browns. That includes males and females across the world. That's one thing I do regret is the impact it has triggered on so many people. So settle. What are you waiting for? It's been actually the When you look at Team Watson and this legal team and Rusty Harden, it's been pretty rough these last few weeks because they are losing badly. They're losing the public relations battle badly. Rusty Harden didn't say anything for months as the cases continue to mount. But then... And, and and by the way, one of the things that really propelled this further and it triggered additional women coming forward was the hBO real sports feature that was on about a month ago and that was followed by Rusty Harden and of what I would consider to be a very nonsensical comment about happy innings. He said it on a Houston radio station, which Hard was actually forced to issue a statement reiterating that Watson has done nothing wrong and the attorney was merely speaking hypothetically. And I I don't really, why does an attorney need to go on a radio show and talk about hypotheticals when two grand juries, he got a hall pass, man. I just don't think the Houston DA wants to bring charges in Harris County when you got the Texans down the street. Just doesn't want to. That's his prerogative. And maybe this isn't an easy case to prosecute, maybe this isn't an easy case to win because you know there's a lot of he said she said, but it stacks up heavily against Watson in my humble opinion from the onset Looking in, I, I would just say this though: DAs also want to protect their pristine, you know, ninety-seven um, percent, uh, you know, con- you know, conviction rate, right? But. The most recent blow, and we talked about this at length on last Saturday's show, was a a very damning, scathing article by the New York Times, which revealed that after a 17-month investigation, Watson had actually received massages from at least 66 women in about 18 months. Now, about you, like, how many dentists do you have? One, three, 66? How many doctors? How many? You you see where I'm going with that? It also included accusations from women who are not part of the lawsuits, which is kind of an important distinction. Because one physical therapist who was on friendly terms with Deshaun Watson and agreed to speak to the New York Times under the condition of anonymity, said, quote, Watson initiated sexual contact in all three of their appointments, including twice- initiating sexual intercourse with her now the therapist said Watson once pulled down the scrubs she was wearing and admitted she let him proceed with the sexual acts because quote I just didn't know how to tell him no this is powerful stuff this is someone speaking anonymously to the New York Times so the number now whether it's 22 women 24 or 26 lawsuits at this point, it's superfluous. It doesn't matter. It's not going to make a difference to the NFL in terms of potential suspension as long as the allegations remain similar. But the one thing that would bring this whole thing to a halt, the one part that could actually reopen a criminal investigation, and that, that in theory, could land Watson on the commissioner's exempl- exemplist if, if, okay, this is difficult, if a woman comes forward and says, Watson raped her. Now, I'm not implying that's going to happen. We're just trying to cover all the bases yet. But people wonder, could there be more criminal charges? And people say, well, why isn't he on the exempt list? Well, the commissioner doesn't typically do that unless you're facing some sort of criminal charge. Uh, that's reserved for that. So at this point, I don't think the NFL has designs on putting them on the exempt list. You're fully paid when you're on the exempt list. And the long and short of it is that what keeps happening is this keeps spinning out of control further and further and further. So you wonder if Deshaun Watson is dancing the line and he's treading extremely close, you know, to a situation where a woman comes forward with some pretty, you know, pretty stark allegations given the sexual therapist and her account to the New York times, that's something I hadn't heard. I don't think any of you's had. So, and as everybody knows, I think we have an intelligent listening audience here. Selling these cases, it doesn't absolve Watson of the allegations. And frankly, it doesn't buy back his reputation. But I think at this point it's it's almost I'm adamant that it's it's necessary that he does this. He engages in this process if Watson and the Browns want to eventually move forward sooner rather than later. Now, Rusty Harden, the uh, the attorney, also revealed that it was a condition of a potential November trade last year with Miami that in order for Deshaun Watson to sign with the Dolphins, all the lawsuits had to be settled. Now, the Browns placed no such conditions on their deal. So people are asking Watson, is he open to settling? What would it take? And here's how he answers. I just want to clear my name, and be able to let the facts and legal procedures continue to play out. Right now, that's all I'm doing. I want to clear my name, and be able to let the facts come out in court of law, and be able to focus on that. So here's something you may want to know. These are not these are this is not a class action lawsuit. These are going to be adjudicated individually. Each each one could take two three weeks, and add, multiply that times 26. We're looking well into 2023. And from people I talk to, I don't think anybody wants to see Watson back on the field until this is finally behind him completely. And that's a, that's a seminar I think a lot of people actually share. And when you, when you consider and juxtapose that with what Major League Baseball did to Trevor Bauer, 324 games, he wouldn't be back eligible until what, 2024, mid 2024, if at all, if anybody, if he ever comes back. His career may effectively be... We just don't know, okay? But he's in no man's land. And I haven't heard a damn thing about his appeal. If that's even started or what's happening there. And maybe that settles it. Maybe you... uh, (laughs) There's a a solution. Suspend Deshaun Watson for 324 games. He'd be eligible to come back in, what, week five of 2043. I don't know who'd be pissed about that. Maybe he would. But he brought it on himself. And he continues to dig dig his hole deeper. So... In the end, Rusty Harden already revealed how close the two sides were to a settlement once before. So if you were really that close, you're in what I call, in any negotiation, you were in the area of what I would call splittable differences. So start writing checks, okay? The question now for me is not, can Watson afford to settle? I told you how much he's already made. Even before the Cleveland Browns contract, $51 million. The, the Browns contract is guaranteed $230 million. And if he would have got this done, he's only slated to be paid $1 million this year. So they backloaded everything. So if he misses games this year, obviously those game checks will be much less in some of the later years of the contracts. So the question is no longer can Deshaun Watson afford to settle. Can he afford not to? If I'm his attorney, I say, Deshaun, settle now, quit, plan around. Did you go to college to get stupid? Your actions are going to answer that question. Not any more of your vacuous statements in training camp or in a press conference. This just keeps getting worse by the day. Coming up, I'm going to bring in the crew. They get to put on their attorney hat, and they're going to tell us, what would you do if Deshaun Watson was your client? I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios Keep it locked right here. You're listening to Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio.
0: Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. Plus, now you can sign in, place bets, and manage your cash balance under the same BetMGM account in D.C., Maryland, and Virginia.
1: Stop by the lounge. Now it's almost tip-off and everyone's already on their feet. This is going to be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply.
5: We're back on Fox Sports Sunday. Fox Sports Radio. Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios, top of the hour, the dance sensations sweeping the nation. What kind of brand new fool are you, followed by What My Name? But first, got some unfinished business with Deshaun Watson and his attorney, the legendary Rusty Harden. All right, we're going to go around the room here, let the crew put on their attorney hat. Deshaun Watson is your client. How are you handling it from this point out? Monsi Bolanos, you're up first.
4: Uh, can I say I quit?
5: Sure. Yes, you can. <laughs> you know what? I've thought of that. Yeah. Uh, go before I let you answer. Just real quickly. If if in a, it, it's rare, especially in civil cases, but in even in criminal cases, but. If if a client's not listening to his attorney, he can resign from the case. But go ahead, Monty.
4: Yeah, it just seems like a lot of information keeps coming out. So at this point, I think you just be, you have to be like, listen, bro, you're not winning at all. This all looks terrible. So we're gonna give them whatever money they want, and you should maybe come out and say that you're sorry, because this is looking bad. Every day it looks worse and worse.
5: I agree. And uh, if he doesn't settle and he allows this to play out, mm-hmm. I mentioned uh, these are. this is not a class action suit, which means all of these cases will be heard individually. Each one could theoretically take a couple of weeks. We're looking well into 2023. Right. right. So, all right. Fair enough. Uh, Chris Perfett, your thoughts on this?
2: Bernie, uh, I think a job of an attorney is to do what's best in the eyes of their client, but also at the same time, give them good advice um, on what they think can be the most equitable, and I think settle, settle. is probably the right way to go on this one. Uh, the longer this drags out, A, the more expensive it's going to get for various re- for both, for all parties involved, but also that um, just, you know, for your reputation as well. So just settle. Settle right now.
5: It's fine. So, and it's my understanding, and we talked about this a minute ago, but allegedly there was a notation that said Deshaun Watson offered each plaintiff a hundred grand to settle their cases, but not everybody would accept that amount. And also Watson wanted an, a very aggressive non declo- uh, an NDA, which is a non-disclosure agreement, which means you take the money, but you can't talk about this. Who cares if they talk about this? Eventually it's going to go away. They'll stop talking about it and there'll be something new in the news. That's what happens. Somebody else will do something stupid. Um,
2: It's, it's just, it's, it's one of those things too, like public perception is really bad about this in that if there is a settlement, people will then go and defend Deshaun Watson because the belief is that if you settle somehow you have like betrayed that you're like your case is like the case is not full on the up and up. I, I don't understand it. Like sometimes settling is probably, it's what the legal system pushes you to in a lot of cases in civil cases, like Judges don't want to deal with this kind of stuff drawn out. Nobody wants to deal with the stuff drawn out. Uh, Attorney fees get costly. Settle is just easy. It's easy to do. Everyone's happy and you just move on.
5: And, And just to set the record straight, this was all last October. So think about where we're at now. We are already eight months past October with no real progress. And that was when only 22 women were suing. And now it's up to 26, The Watson offered hundred grand to each one, but he wanted a very aggressive NDA, so they couldn't talk about it. It's my understanding also that Watson's camp explained, allegedly, that the reason they wanted the NDA is because that, that's what the Miami Dolphins wanted. Uh, but maybe since the Dolphins are no longer in the picture and the NDA killed the deal, maybe they can offer now without an NDA and put this behind him. Bo Benson.
6: Uh, if I was Deshaun's lawyer, I would drag it out as long as I could, charge him as many legal fees as I possibly could, and then just quit. Uh, okay. Yeah.
5: No, really. In all seriousness, now I mean uh, that's what Rusty Harden. He, he might I, actually I, well, be doing that. Well, he, he he's, doesn't have a, you, Well, here's the deal: the wheel. You know, you hear this old uh, cliche: the wheels of justice move slowly, but they do. Uh, I, I don't think – and uh, I hear you, Bull, but I don't think uh, Harden is trying to draw this out. He's probably accepting a flat fee or something. But but in all seriousness, you know, if this drags out, he's not on the field. He's fair, and he, you think he wants to get on the field. So if you were his lawyer, you really were his lawyer, what would you be telling him?
6: I mean, I think Chris was right. You'd probably just tell him to settle. Uh, but it's just – I think what gets lost so often in the in the Deshaun Watson discussion is um, like innocent until proven guilty. Like it truly doesn't really matter in this case. Like everybody is allowed to form their own opinion on Deshaun Watson given the information that we have, uh, and the NFL is going to do the same thing. And I I would imagine it's going to end in him not playing football anyway. So the the sooner he gets it over with, the better. But you know. He doesn't seem ready to settle at all.
5: I think we're all in agreement, like Monty said. He's not going to win. He 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 really can't win uh, because even if somehow he goes to court and he goes twenty six and zero, he's killed three years of his career, and I it just it he'll never live it down in, in the way that he was so dismissive and so cavalier. Uh, and the way he treated these these young women, uh, they're not making this up. I just don't think they are. They didn't all get together and, and get their story straight. And, I mean, there are even allegations now that Tony Busby, who's the who's the attorney for the plaintiffs, uh, is now possibly naming the Houston Texans in the lawsuit. Again, allegedly the Texans were complicit in helping Watson find masseuses. There's one other thing I didn't bring up. This was a development this last week, and this is serious business, Okay. There was a detective, and this was a story that was actually in the USA Today newspaper. It's been about a week now. There's a detective in Houston by the name of Kamisha Baker, and she testified under oath that she shared her opinion with the office of the Harris County District Attorney and said she doesn't know why the grand jury opted not to indict Watson. Now, this is a detective, Detective Baker. She testified she believes that Watson committed criminal, indecent assault, sexual assault and and prostitution and those 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 involved the cases where there was consensual sex but money changed hands so detective baker was asked a question do you feel confident that you had the evidence needed to pursue those charges detective baker said yes then detective baker was asked is there any dot in your mind as the investigating officer as the investigating officer that a crime had occurred she said no there was no doubt in her mind she also said there was no disagreement within her team that watson had committed crimes and baker testified that she met with prosecutor a prosecutor i don't know the person's name stallings i think to share her opinions at the end of the day they elected not to go forward and so there's a presumption of innocence now to bow's point In a civil matter, it's not about being innocent or guilty. It's about whether you are culpable or liable for the damages. He's not facing criminal charges. Someone who didn't face criminal charges, I think, but could have, is fake Clay Thompson, who was banned for life from the Chase Center before Game 5 this last week. This dude's small potatoes, man. I'll tell you about the all-time great imposter and some of the things he did. The hell with uh, fake clay thompson say that five times fast but first let's go to again by the way i believe Monty, i believe you mentioned that speaking of diets yes uh, uh mookie betts is is, is, a, is a vegan he's on the vegan diet correct
4: yes yes he yes.
5: is i'll be darned see i just went on that new garlic diet and lost 10 friends <laughs> i like Monty that one Llanes with the latest. that
4: was good listen i love fake clay that was so funny if you can get through security, that that's so funny. I mean, that is impressive. You got through security. Do we know if he showed up on a bike? Because you know Clay had been showing up on his bicycle. So I'm wondering if he showed up on a bicycle and they were like, oh, that is Clay. Look at him on his bike. And that's the only <laughs> way I feel that the first set of people let him through is if he showed up on a bike. Oh, that's so funny to me. Now game three, or excuse me, game two of the Stanley Cup final happened and it was all Colorado Avalanche, a total shutout uh, against the Tampa Bay Lightning. They shut them out 7-0. The second largest shutout in a win in the Stanley Cup final. They are now two wins from dethroning the two-time defending champions. Game three will be on Monday. The U.S. Open will end later today. The final round is later today but round three was a wild one. Eight players spent time atop of the leaderboard but at the end of the day Will Zalatoris and Matt Fitzpatrick are tied at four under par. They're going to tee off later today for the final round at 2.45 p.m. Eastern time. In the NBA, Kenny actually has informed the Charlotte Hornets that he won't become the franchise's new head coach. He's going to stay with the with the Golden State Warriors as their top assistant. He and the Hornets had agreed on principle to a four-year deal, but a contract was never signed. In Major League Baseball, the Chicago Cubs ended the Atlanta Braves' 14-game winning streak. The Yankees are still the best team in baseball at 49-16 and 16 after they shut out the Blue Jays for their ninth straight win. The Phillies keep winning after firing manager Joe Girardi. They beat the Nationals 2-1 to in 10 innings. The Angels sweat The Mariners in their doubleheader. Mike Trout homered in both games. We also had victories from the Rays, the Cardinals, the Rockies, the White Sox, who shut out the Astros, the Giants, the Tigers, the Royals, the Brewers, and the Twins. And, of course, the Dodgers did beat the Guardians. But, unfortunately, Mookie Betts suffered a cracked rib, and he's headed to the injury list. There is no timetable for his return. Trey Turner, who had a three-run homer in the game for the Dodgers, he he has had a hit in 56 games this season. He leads the majors with that stat, which is pretty nuts. Back to you,
5: Bernie. All right, thank you. Appreciate it. All right, let's get back to this fake Clay thing because his uh, short-lived career has come to an end. His real name is Dawson Gurley, and uh, he's been doing this for several years, and he's fooled actually more than a few people, and he's been kind of a fixture around the Chase Center, uh, which was just opened a couple years ago, but even before that, that's my understanding, but he's shown up to ring ceremonies and people actually like him. He actually fooled Steve Kerr, who looked at who looked at fake Clay once and said, Wait a minute, Clay, did you eat a few extra burgers? Because yeah, he's not maybe quite as felt as the real Clay Thompson. But I think last Monday was the last time Warriors fans were gonna see fake Clay Thompson for quite a while. And as a matter of fact, he remember his real name is Dawson Gurley. He tweeted two hours before tip off. Uh, on money, he'd been banned for life from the Chase Center. Now, uh, apparently, they tried to reach Chase Center officials for comment to confirm the banning, but no one's really responded. My gut, is, my gut feel is people liked him and he was—he didn't hurt anybody. But it, you can't do this kind of stuff, and um, you know he people see him on BART and he plays like he's Clay Thompson BART's of course of course the transportation system in San Francisco Bay Area Rapid Transit uh, and people have actually taken pictures with him he's been on the floor shooting shooting around people spot him they go up to him in Union Square he's really benefited from the fake uh, Clay Thompson shtick throughout the years because he's got millions of views on YouTube and he he did some shows called Clay Thompson plays basketball with strangers and blah, blah, blah. He's, I believe he's 29 years old, and he does all kinds of pranks that actually some are good, some are not so fun. But here's, let me come to my point. He'll never compare to the greatest imposter of all time. That's a guy by the name of Barry Bremen. Barry Bremen, he passed away 10 years ago at age 64. He was very good friends. He's a Michigan guy, very good friends with my mentor Dick Schapp and Jeremy Schapp. I actually had Barry Bremen on my radio show in Detroit back in 2004. He, I, I, I strongly recommend that you Google him, you YouTube him, anything, because you talk about a guy that had a, an amazing career and is a very likable professional imposter. He was a novelty good salesman. He had a lot of flash. He was about 6'4". He looked athletic. He became friendly with Major League Baseball players, golf pros. Again, I mentioned Dick Schaap, Jeremy Schaap, and he was the great imposter. And anybody who met him, which I did, had him on my radio show, they loved him because he. there was a certain quality about this guy that you could not not like. But here's where – this is some of the stuff he really did. This is all documented. His 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 trickery started back in 1979 when he managed to sneak onto the floor – during the warm-ups before an NBA All-Star game in Detroit, and he was wearing a stolen team uniform. He was in the layup line. He's six foot four. he was shooting around. Finally, all of a sudden, security recognized him as an intruder, and he was ejected. He did a bunch of things in basketball, in, in baseball, in football, golf. The golf one's the best. Maybe the Emmy Awards one is the best. He pulled a stunt off. In 1985, he was at the Emmy Awards and when the, the award for Best Supporting Actress. It was awarded to Betty Thomas, who played an officer on the, on the old great um, show Hill Street Blues back in the 80s. And this is a lady who had been nominated many times and never won. She was sitting in the back. But Barry Bremen, he actually purchased a ticket to get in and rented a tuxedo. He starts walking toward the lectern. And Peter Graves, who was gonna present the award, he said, Bremen told Graves, I will be accepting the award on her behalf. And Graves was absolutely baffled and fooled. And so, what's interesting is, a minute later, Miss Thomas, who was all set to get the award, showed up on stage and it was a nightmare. And so, you know, Bremen was arrested, fined $175. What's significant about this, and he apologized to the lady, And he said, he quote, he thought she really wasn't there. I don't know if that's true, but (laughs) what's interesting is he's, he's gone on to say that's the only stunt he ever really regretted of all the things he did, but he had some classics. I already mentioned, I told you he was wearing a Kansas city Kings uniform, got on the floor, the pregame warm ups for the all-star game in February, 79 in Detroit. And, uh, The reason he got out of it is because there was a player named Otis Birdsong who was playing for the Kansas City team. He looked at him and he says, wait a minute, man, you're not on my team. I don't even know you. You're on my team? Wait, how do I not know you? You're on my team? And anyway, uh, Bremen did the same thing two years later in a Houston Rockets uniform at the 81 All-Star game at the Richfield Coliseum. And at one, one particular time, he even donned an official jacket and stood with the real officials during the National Anthem. Incredible. One of the great ones, though, was at the All-Star game also in 1979. Uh, he snuck on the field for the American League team picture, and George Brett was so enamored with what he was doing. He says, come over by me, hide by me. I want I want you to do this. And before that, he was even shagging flies in the off-field for a half an hour. And again... They started to line up, and there's Reggie Jackson and Joe Morgan and Mike Schmidt and Gaylord Perry and Steve Carlton and Carl Yastrzemski, and who sees him? Tommy Lasorda. Tommy Lasorda saw him and just about blew a gasket, cussed him out, they escorted him off the field, and they brought him into the Americans' uh, clubhouse, and, uh, you know, he was, he was arrested. and That wasn't the only baseball stunt he did. He, he dressed up as an umpire during a 1980 World Series game, actually walked out to the, to, to the pregame, you know, exchanging in the lineup cards with all the umpires. And in 1986, he was wearing a Mets uniform. You recall, that's here the Mets won the championship. He also was shagging flies in the outfield during the All-Star game at the Astrodome. And who discovers him again? It was Tommy Lasorda. And so, anyway, um, that one didn't go so well. And he said that would be the last time he ever messed around with baseball. But in football, he also, this was an all-time classic, not making it up, I bet this is on YouTube somewhere, in a game in Dallas in December of 79, Bremen posed as a Dallas Cowboys cheerleader at Texas Stadium. And to prepare for this one, he actually lost 25 pounds. He practiced routines with his wife, had a replica Dallas Cowboy cheerleader uniform, Shaved his legs, cost him 1200 bucks to do all this. And this wasn't funny either. The Cowboys didn't like it. They sued Bremen for $5,000 for trespassing and creating a nuisance. And they petitioned to have him banned for life. But he did other Uh, football events as well, but this one might be the favorite one for me because Barry Bremen was actually a really good golfer. He was a seven handicap, and at the 1979 U.S. Open, it was in Toledo, he played a practice round, a full practice round with Jerry Pate and a couple of other golfers, and then he came back in the 1980 U.S. Open where he also played a practice round, but he wasn't shooting that well, and a, a spectator asked the USGA how such a lousy golfer could make it through qualifying And they outed him. Bottom line is, here's a guy, Barry Bremen. Google him. You're in for a treat. Nothing against fake Clay Thompson. But I met Barry Bremen. He was on my radio show. Can't say he was a friend of mine. But fake Clay Thompson, you're no Barry Bremen. Coming up, Duke hires a GM for their NIL program. Pretty interesting stuff. I'll tell you all about it. I'm Bernie Frato. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Stick and stay. You're listening to Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. Right, we're back on Fox Sports Sunday, Fox Sports Radio. I'm Bernie Frado coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Just minutes away from what kind of brand new fool are you, followed by a what my name. Every week we've got an update in some form or fashion in uh, NIL. And a little later in the show, I'm going to share with you, there's already one university that's actually, uh, unfortunately now, under investigation because the NCAA and their staff members, they've interviewed a couple of billionaire boosters at the school, and the NCAA has always been threatening to to explore name, image, and likeness deals, and so this is officially no longer a threat because, uh, yes, they are the governing body of college athletics, and they've launched an inquiry into a – a major university that is serious enough uh, that you know people had to answer questions. So we'll get to that uh, a little bit later in the show. But along those lines, because the NIL uh, you know it, it phenomenon is now gotten taken such root, you've got schools now like Duke. Duke recently hired a GM, a general manager, uh, for their NIL program. And now you remember Coach K has moved on. Their, their new coach, John Shire, takes over next year. And she's actually they've actually hired a former Nike executive, a lady by the name of Rachel Baker, as the team's first ever to newly created position, the general manager of Name, Image, and Likeness. So she'll so have a lot of duties uh, to do in addition to supporting Duke basketball players, you know, in their tenure at the school, including uh, developing uh, personal and professional skill sets. And I, I think I talked about this a lot. Maybe they're taking a page from Texas AM with uh, their ability to create workshops and curriculums in addition to just giving money. Uh, Baker's duties are also going to be overseeing opportunities and helping them evaluate name, image, and likeness opportunities as they come along. She had a quote here. She said, quote, the state of college basketball is growing and changing at an exponential rate. Well, that's true. And uh, the coach, John Schreier, John Shire, not John Cryer, the actor, John Schreier, the coach, he said, quote, Rachel is a one-of-a-kind talent with unique experience that will provide our players and their families with an unparalleled resource and partner as we navigate new frontiers of college basketball together. Get another big word salad, but you're starting to see a little bit of uniformity, not everywhere, but in dribs and drabs, you're starting to see a little bit more structure And what's interesting is Duke brings in somebody from the outside that will have probably a very fresh point of view because Rachel Baker spent eight years working at Nike and also one year in the NBA. And her uh, role was always in sports marketing and engaging in sports marketing initiatives and in, in what they would call, quote, the athlete development journey. Now, Nike's always been very involved in this. They have their elite youth basketball league, Uh, They also manage a lot of strategic initiatives between Nike and, and other NBA players, and this is something that Kevin Durant has been involved in. Of course, Rachel Baker was also reached for comment. She said, I could not be more excited to join John Shire and the entire Duke basketball family. We're in the middle of a transformative moment, not only for Duke, but for the college basketball landscape, and the chance to be part of the opportunity is the opportunity of a lifetime it'll be interesting to see if Duke can continue as one of basketball's premier college programs. And if they want to hold that position and remember, they're no longer to have coach K's ridden off into the sunset. The reality of it is name image and like this is going to be a huge component. And so it's really kind of heady for Duke to create a position like this because we talk about NIL and the money and I've broken down the, Texas A&M Amplified program many, many times, and it's a consortium of boosters and donors and, and other folks, you know, some college football. But I feel like the more we think we know about NIL, we don't know. And navigating this NIL world now is fast becoming, I think, as important as coaching and recruiting and X's and O's because you consider a place like Duke, where they manage to always get top prospects, they're always going to want answers. And Duke is always looking to attract elite talent because of its brand. They have a pipeline to the NBA. They have a vast alumni network. They have a fantastic athletic and strength program. And they've always had good coaching. Now that Coach K is moving on, but all accounts are that John Shire is quite quite capable. So Duke does not want to change any of those things. And... What I think you're going to see happen next is this is a move that's going to be emulated by pretty much all of college basketball's top programs. Apparently, Kentucky is already in the hiring process. They're going to hire an NIL uh, GM as well. So these are newly created positions to bring uniformity to the school and compliance. What's interesting is Duke actually has the number one recruiting class for the incoming 23 season and also has the top recruiting class for next season heading into 24. So these are kids coming on campus. They want world-class coaching. They want exposure at Duke. But they also want to increase their chances of making it to the NBA. But now they also want six-figure incomes. They want monetary value. And for Duke to continue, and they've actually assessed – Dollar values. I'm not going to give the names, but these dollar values. Uh, there there are ten names that were listed, and some of the dollar values for some of these recruiting classes, individuals, were well over five hundred thousand. Some were twenty thousand. Some were thirty thousand. One was nine thousand dollars. But the reality of it is, is you now have almost this cat system where some athletes are worth a certain amount. And other athletes are worth less or more, and depending on what you're able to offer, and you understand, will determine whether that person comes to your school. All right, coming up, what kind of brand new fool are you? Keep it locked. This is Bernie Froud on Fox Sports Sunday. The
0: Fox Sports Discover Bet MGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long.
1: That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your life sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express Card Required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply.
5: Sunday train keeps rolling right along. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Three down, one to go. Lots of stuff to get to. Bottom of the R, Chris Perfetts World of Soccer. Always oh, plenty of stuff happening. This is a World Cup year, and yes. The United States is in it. The United States men's team is in it. So there's always going to be updates. And uh, sites were announced. And last week, Chris told us about a a friendly tournament here in Las Vegas coming up at the end of July. By the way, that will feature some some big-time teams like Real Madrid. But I digress. This time every week, it's the dance sensation sweeping the nation. Everybody waits for it, talks about it, They like it. They love it. They want some more of it. Yes, we're talking about a segment we affectionately call What Kind of Brand New Fool Are You? 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 See, every week in the country, across the land, around the world, people do things that cause you to scratch their head and draw the only conclusion you can. What Kind of Brand New Fool Are You? Now, this one... This week, for me, he's a little benign, but I think you'll like it. A gentleman, a nameless man, took to Reddit last week to share that after an evening at the pub, you know, he might have had a few too many cream events, he was craving a pizza, not just any pizza, but a barbecue meat feast, which is meant to say that he had a barbecue base topped with mozzarella cheese, bacon, ham, pepperoni, sausage, and spicy beef. So, what he did, he positioned the order for the pizza place on a supply app, Unfortunately, in his drunken state, he opened up the customization menu. And instead of selecting each topping, he deleted each topping, even the cheese. He was believing he was including them all on his pizza, but he was deleting them. When the pizza was delivered to his house, he discovered this. A pizza base topped with only barbecue sauce and nothing else. So what does he do next? He puts himself on blast. He gives a big shout out to the pizza company for honoring my, quote, post pub late night order by accidentally removing every item on the barbecue meat feast, thinking I was adding them. I want to thank this company for honoring my late night evening post order of accident. Even though I deleted all the gadgets on the meat feast, I thought I was including them, but I was deleting them. Additionally, the knucklehead had ordered a portion of garlic pizza sticks and three particular garlic dips, which absolutely should have confused the employees because he eliminated the garlic dip that comes along with the pizza as normal. But here's the moral of the story. Who in the hell orders barbecue sauce on their pizza? You're dead to me. I'm sorry. What kind of brand new fool are you? Monty Bolaños, you're up.
4: Bernie, I couldn't agree more. Why barbecue on your pizza? I don't get it. Okay. This fool, I can't. All right. So a commercial bus driver has been charged with 38 counts of reckless endangerment after blacking out behind the steering wheel while snacking on gummies. He said he didn't know were infused with THC. So his name is Jawan Chen, and through a Chinese interpreter, he said that he didn't know there was marijuana in the candy. He was driving 38 people, which is why it's 38 counts of reckless endangerment. His boss said that he wouldn't, he doesn't drink, he doesn't smoke, but he has a very big sweet tooth and likes candy, which is why he was snacking on these gummies. But he swears that he didn't know they were infused with THC. He was passed out. They found him passed out behind the wheel.
5: Oh, my goodness gracious. (laughs) Uh, All I know is where where was he buying these gummies? He wasn't buying them at Walgreens. Right,
4: exactly. Exactly. All
5: right, that's a good one. You got to frame that one and put it in the Louvre next to the Mona Lisa. You know what, real quickly before I get to Bo and Chris, there was an incident in Tiger Stadium or Comerica Park. Chris may remember this. It was back in two thousand and nine. Uh, I was still in Michigan uh, A gentleman went to his to the snack bar and uh his son says, "Dad, would you give me some lemonade?" He goes, "Sure, he ordered a lemonade He brought it back to his seat. The kid was seven years old. The problem is he'd bought him a Mike's hard lemonade." <laughs> <laughs> At security escorted the guy out, and they arrested him. And he—he he was the poor guy was such a knucklehead; he didn't know. It was sad. I don't know what ever happened, but I really believe the guy just blew it. But he was a little foolish. All right, good stuff, <laughs> Chris Perfett
2: So I want to ask you a question on this one, Bernie. Did you ever watch Squid Games?
5: I sampled it, man. It looks pretty wacky to me.
2: It it is wacky. It is jarring. It is a uh, it is one of these new shows that are just it's it's very brutal and it pulls no punches. It is a story about. The lengths people will go through for not not just for money, but also the lengths that will put people through for entertainment. It is a brutal, very interesting yes. critique on our society. Yes. Um. Some people, Bernie, don't read the. Uh, it, it's like we would say in high school, you didn't read the assigned reading. So Netflix has just announced this week that they are they have greenlit a new reality competition series, Squid Game: The Challenge. This is apparently going to recreate various challenges from the TV show Squid Game. Unfortunately, no news whether or not contestants will be shot. So, in, in, there, there, there's there's a very famous there's there's a very famous tweet that I remember of, you know, sci- science fiction authors creating you know the torment nexus saying that this is a this is a war i I created the torment nexus as a allegory and warning to society and then tech and media companies then turn around and saying we have created the torment nexus from the famous novel don't create the torment nexus netflix you didn't read the assigned reading which is one of your own shows and you've decided to create a a game show off of this what's wrong with you (laughs) what's wrong with you any of it what kind of fools are you
5: it is crazy. Uh, it reminds me of almost like a real life version of the Hunger Games. I don't know if anybody saw the Hunger Games. Yeah, yeah.
2: Guys. Let's let make let's, let's make a uh, let let's make a live action contest called the Hunger Games.
5: Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. You might you might win a year's supply of Eskimo pie. You might die too. Would so you likewise. like to
2: participate in the Running Man?
5: Oh man, no, yeah. see now you're getting in my wheelhouse. You want to do some movies? Some <laughs> movie? Yeah, that's a classic movie. That was that was like 1978. Yeah, we've
2: been doing these, like, death-defying game show crit- movies as critiques of our entertainment society for a long time. And for whatever reason, media, uh, media executives still don't seem to understand that they're being the ones being hey, lampooned.
5: Hey, like P.T. Barnum once said, there's an ass for every seat. Right. All right. Good stuff, Chris. Bo Benson, you're up.
6: Well, I was going to talk about this uh, this person in Florida who apparently went over their wife's head and named their child Michael Morbius after the uh, recent flop Morbius uh, without telling their wife. <laughs> oh, um, instead, uh, I have one that happened in both Las Vegas and Los Angeles tonight at 2 o'clock a.m. where two people on the radio decided to uh, ruthlessly attack people for their food choices Uh, barbecue sauce on pizza is great what is happening
5: you're 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 breaking up i can't hear you i'm sorry
6: barbecue sauce pineapple pizza
5: pizza is oh yeah oh now you're gonna go pineapple barbecue sauce
6: pineapple ham it's it's great you guys are wrong
5: speak for yourself
6: no
4: no 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 no. that's not pizza
5: well it is you know i I, I, i'm a simple (laughs) look I'm a simple guy, okay? Hell, I had a Lunchables for dinner last night. I'm an easy-going guy, man. I'm a simple guy. Pizza to me, pepperoni, sausage, tomato sauce, cheese. If you want barbecue sauce, I love barbecue sauce. But why do I mix metaphors? I don't want designer pizza. Now, I'll throw you a bone here. By the way, I didn't ruthlessly attack anybody. If you thought that was a ruthless attack, you've never seen me ruthlessly attack. I will say this, that pizza, much like music... Uh, uh, movies It's what I call Color for the soul So if you like red And I like blue Red is not necessarily Better than blue Or vice versa If you like it You like it We're just having A little fun Don't take us too serious Okay What was your segment On what kind of Brand new fool Do you have one
6: Yeah it was this guy That apparently Named his child Michael Morbius uh, Without informing His wife um, very Florida-like, if it's true. But you know, it's the See, I can live Who with knows? that.
5: But but if if he tells his wife, "Hey, you want me to get a pizza? Yeah, get one." And then he gets one with barbecue sauce without telling her. Oh, yeah, that's I, that, I'll that's, that's,
6: I'll hang out with him.
5: <laughs> I love it. All right, good stuff, Bo. Good stuff, Monty. Good stuff, Chris. As we move right along, the second favorite dance dance sensation sweep in the nation. Easy for me to say is of course what my name. All right, here we go. We are in the Stanley Cup. Playoffs, so why don't we continue with that theme? I'm a famous NHL player, and for the first time since 1979, I do not have a teammate playing in the current Stanley Cup Finals. Monty Bologna is what my name.
4: Not even a little bit. I have no idea. I'm Close. not. am not a, I'm not a hockey. A big ah. hockey fan.
5: Okay, it's okay. We're <laughs> gonna, we're gonna move right along. I'm a famous hockey player. And I bet you've heard this person when I, when I say it, Monty. I'm a famous hockey player, and for the first time since 1979, the Stanley Cup Finals feature uh, will we'll fe- we'll, we'll feature a playoffs where I don't have a single former teammate in this series. Chris Perfett, what by name?
2: Robert Luongo.
5: <laughs> Roberto Luongo. He was a pretty good uh, goalie, yeah. He was. Not, yeah, not bad. All right. We'll see if Bo can come through. He has before. I'm a famous hockey player. For the first time since 1979, the Stanley Cup's finals feature a series without one of my former teammates, Bull, what my name?
6: Is he Yaromir Yager?
5: He got it! Former Pittsburgh Penguin, Yarmer Yager. See? Nicely Are, done, Bo. Is Bob. that how
6: you say his name?
5: Yeah, Yarmir Yager. Did I do Yarmer. that right? Yeah, close oh, enough. Oh, nice. Let's go. Close enough. Close enough. Help yourself to some barbecue pizza. All right, here we go. Let's switch to baseball. I was a high school teammate of Matt Stafford on my high school baseball team. Monty Bolaños, what my name?
4: Oh, no. I, I, oh, no. Not in not enough
5: time. Uh, uh, it's all right. It's all right. I was a high school teammate of Matt Stafford on my high school baseball team. Chris Perfett, what my name?
2: As if I haven't been beaten over the head by this every single year, it's Clayton Kershaw.
5: Bingo! yep. Yep. <laughs>
2: Every Monday Night Football Broadcast. Every Monday Night Football
5: Broadcast Alliance.
6: Yeah, I, I would have been very disappointed if none of us got that one.
5: No, I know you, you guys get most of these, actually. All right, this is a challenge. I, I think Perfett's the leader in the clubhouse to get this one, but that's not to say anybody can get this one. We'll start with you this time, Bo. All right, on this day, we're going to go back to the NHL playoffs. On this day in 1998, I won the Conn Smythe Trophy while leading my team to their Stanley Cup championship. Bo Benson, what my name?
6: Oh, uh, yeah, I was a 10-year-old that was really into hockey. Um, Adrian Martinez of the L.A. Kings.
5: I don't believe the Kings won the Stanley Cup in 98, but it's all good. All right. On this day in 1998, I uh, won the Conn Smythe Trophy while leading my hockey team to the Stanley Cup championship. Monsi Bolaños, what my name?
4: Mm, mm, nope. Nope. All right. <laughs> all
5: good. All right. On this day 1998. I led my team to the Stanley Cup championship, and I won the Conn Smythe Trophy. Chris Perfet, what's my name?
2: Well, it's not Bobrovsky, so I'm going to go with. Let's try Steve Eiserman.
5: Bingo! You guys are three for three. All right, I saved possibly the toughest one for last, but not that tough, but not easy. All right, we are in the middle of the U.S. Open. Let's so let's go U.S. Open. On this day in 2008, I lost the U.S. Open in a playoff to Tiger Woods. Bo Benson, what my name? Uh, John Daly. Not bad, but no. All right. On this day in 2008, I lost the U.S. Open championship in a playoff to Tiger Woods. Monty is what my name?
4: Oh, I'm going to Lee Westwood.
5: Oh, that's a good guess. Uh, no, it wasn't. No. Uh, no. Nope, a Good guess. Mm. All right. On this day, 2008, I lost the U.S. Open in a playoff to Tiger Woods. Chris Perfett, what my name?
2: Oh, I should know this. I'm reaching a little bit. Is it Angel Cabrera?
5: You're not far off. It's actually uh, Rocco Mediate. Uh, Rocco Mediate. If you go, it's a big story. I mean, it was really something. He was. Uh, his new nickname became Pobrecito because he had a bad day. All right, let's let's do one bonus one. All right, much was made of of uh, of. Uh, Jason Tatum's 100 turnovers in the playoffs. But until he had the 100 turnovers, he actually broke my record. Monty Bolaños, what my name?
4: Mm, That's a good one.
5: Uh... All right. Moving along. Jason Tatum had 100 turnovers in the playoffs this year. But in doing so, he actually broke my record. Bo Benson, what my name?
6: Uh, Russell Westbrook.
5: <laughs> oh, that's a good one. Problem is, yeah, I don't think he ever made, played enough playoff game. That's a good one. I think he had 101 game. All right, Chris, we'll see if he can save the day. This is a famous big name, pretty big name. All right. Much was made of Jason Tatum and his 100 turnovers in the NBA playoffs this season, this year. But in doing so, he broke my record. Chris Perfett. what my name?
2: Let me step up to play on this one. <clears throat> Boban Marjanovic.
5: <laughs> 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 Nicely done. I'll take Czechoslovakian names for 50, Alex. All right, believe it or not, Chris, maybe a little drum roll here. It's it's LeBron James. Uh... It was LeBron James. All right, great job, everybody. Another rousing edition of What Kind of Brand New Fool Are You and What My Name is in the books. Coming up, I told you there's a particular university... That's facing a stare down from the NCAA enforcement having to do with NIL. I'll tell you all about it. I'm Bernie Frado. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. Keep it locked right here. You're listening to Fox Sports Sunday and Fox Sports Radio. Now well, we're back on Fox Sports Sunday, Fox Sports Radio. I'm Bernie Frado coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios. And as I mentioned a minute ago, there's a particular university that has been interviewed by NCA staff members having to do with NIL. Now, as I get into this, I want to make it abundantly clear. There is no indication whatsoever that they've done anything wrong, and this is not to imply that they've done anything wrong. What this is, however, intended to highlight is that it was just a matter of time before the NCA, who's been threatening to take a closer look and a closer peek on some of these name, image, and likeness deals, It's no longer a threat. They've officially done it now. So they spent some time in the last couple weeks, uh, and they launched an inquiry into the University of Miami. And um, particularly, they wanted to spoke to a gentleman there, uh, a billionaire booster, a a Miami booster by the name of John Ruiz. Now, John Ruiz has uh, signed 115 athletes to NIL deals. Now, most of them attend Miami, and his kids attend Miami, and it's my understanding it was fully cooperative and there's nothing to worry about. He's got nothing to hide. The idea here is that, you know, we talked a minute ago about the Duke University hiring a GM to manage their NIL and all of a sudden the NCA is looking into some of these deals. And so, this Wild West aspect of what's been happening at the NIL, you wonder now if there's going to be a, a little bit more uniformity. And so, Uh, although Ruiz didn't really go into any specifics on what they talked about, the long and the short of it is I guess the NCAA was was inquisitive about a gentleman by the name of Nigel Pack, a basketball player who uh, transferred from Kansas State, it's my understanding, signed a two-year, $800,000 deal to endorse Ruiz's two companies, LifeWallet, which is a healthcare application, and uh, the cigarette racing team, some boat racing team. So, again, he's just one of 150 athletes that signed deals. And Ruiz says the NIL payroll is currently at about $7 million, right? Now, he also said that the NCAA's visit to Miami was not really an investigation, more of just an inquiry to get facts about this evolving landscape known as NIL and uh he's very simply like very articulate guy he said quote a lot of ncaa bylaws are hard to reconcile with the ability and right to enter into nil deals he thinks that the ncaa is starting to get a handle on the fact that it's really not capable of navigating within the state nil laws and their own bylaws this is something that's gotta be handled internally uh he also went on to say that the people from the ncaa were very pleasant they're just simply tasked with the job of making sure they gather information and they're trying to, I think, establish some kind of functioning standard for everybody, right? I think everybody would agree, while this is an idea whose time has probably come and people are going to profit, uh, there's got to be some regulation to it, right? Because um, otherwise, it's, it really starts to, I think, become self-defeating. But the long and the short of it also is that people should not be surprised that the NCAA – actually visited Miami, right? But it does signal that the NCAA is going to employ an enforcement staff, and they're going to pursue potential violations of NIL guidelines, which, you know, specifically are recruited and NIL is is using, quote, recruiting inducements. Now, it feels like some of that's going on. I don't know. It's happened so fast and furious. We've told you lots of the stories. and I told you about the Amplify program. We talked about Quinn Ewer's. Who, went from, who left out high, you know, Texas high school a year early, went to Ohio State, didn't even get on the field. But we have a situation now that in just a few months, this just is all in its infancy. The NIL era just started basically last July and all of a sudden right out of the gate, and I was wrong. I thought they'd crawl before they walk and walk before they ran. No, there were mega deals right out of the gate for the nation's top recruits. And if you happen to be a social media star, uh, then you might find yourself in a bidding war. And if you're an elite football player or an elite basketball player and you're high profile, you're going to have more than one Power 5 school want wants you. You're going to be probably approached by boosters or groups of them. And they've pooled funds. I talked about the $30 million fund they pooled at Texas AM and and they have created a whole program, and it's very impressive. And it's not just money. It's a curriculum to, to really provide young folks an education. So I expect more of this to happen. Uh, Miami was was in the crosshairs for a while now, and I understand it was sort of they brought attention to themselves. There were some brazen posts on Twitter, and then whenever there's a big announcement for a, a stud athlete coming and the NIL deal and the money they got, they were really sort of broadcasting that. And uh, all of a sudden, now when five million people see your tweet and it's retweeted, it draws kind of attention, and your jaw drops, and college sports all of a sudden becomes quite a bit different. Uh, dynamic, and it it, it was a little brash, but the long and short of it, this is not to imply Miami did anything wrong, but according to NCAA bylaws and in many state laws, boosters are prohibited from inducing prospects by using NIL. So again, stay tuned. This is a story that's going to continue. Coming up at this time every week, Chris Perfett's World of Soccer, and there's plenty happening because, yes, this is... A world cup year and the u.s men's team has a seat at the table but first let's go to monty Bolanos with the latest
4: speaking of the world cup yes my home country of costa rica was the last team to qualify Very excited. Cool. Yeah. Now, I don't think they're going to do much. We're in a very tough grouping, uh, but whatever. At least we made it. We get to participate, which is really the fun in the World Cup. So much happened last night in Major League Baseball. Like, the Yankees continuing to just be the best. They shut out the Blue Jays for their ninth straight win. They have the best record in baseball at 49-16. and The Mets beat the Marlins. They have the best record in the National League. Taiwan Walker retired 18 in a row and pitched into the seventh inning. The Dodgers beat the Guardians 7-1, but Mookie Betts suffered a cracked rib on Wednesday and we were told after the game that he's going to the injured list. We have no timetable for his return. They're not sure how bad of a fracture it is. The Chicago Cubs beat the Atlanta Braves. They have now lost two in a row after having a 14-game winning streak. The Angels swept the Mariners in a doubleheader with Mike Trout homering in both games. He now has 20 homers behind Aaron Judge, who leads the Majors with 25. We also had victories from the Rays, the Cardinals, the Rockies, the White Sox, the Giants, the Tigers, the Royals, the Brewers, and the Twins who routed the Diamondbacks 11-1. In NBA news, the Los Angeles Lakers have agreed to hire Atlanta Hawks assistant Chris Gent as Darvin Ham's top assistant coach on his staff. Ham and Gent actually coached together with the Hawks in 2017 and 18. And uh, Gent also has a little bit of a tie to LeBron James because he was the assistant with the Cleveland Cavaliers from 2006 all the way to 2011. And Game 2 of the Stanley Cup Final was all the Colorado Avenue Lunch as they shut out the reigning champs, the Tampa Bay Lightning. Fun fact if you go now to baseballreference.com and you look at Alex Bregman's awards, he now has under awards, it now says, One Mike Trout's Fantasy Football League.
5: <laughs> so at least they updated that. <laughs> oh, oh my God, that's classic.
4: <laughs> yeah, I'm back to you, Bernie.
5: All right, thanks so much. Great job tonight. Great you job. You too. You too. All right. All right. At this time every week, uh, this segment's really uh, taking on a lot of uh, critical mass because it's a World Cup year, and there's always stuff to know. It's something we call Chris Perfett's World of Soccer. Chris? That's right, Bernie. And we're going to
2: put this World Cup aside for a second because most of the international games are kind of done. We're seeing some more club stuff again, and we'll have some news a little bit on, a, on you know, we're in a UEFA transfer window, a lot of fun stuff happening there, but Forget about 2022 for a second. Let's talk about World Cup 2026. Why are we talking about World Cup 2026? Because it's happening here in North America. For the first time in FIFA history, we're going to have a World Cup that is split between three countries in in north america the united states mexico and canada and this week we had these the final cities announced there were several there was i believe close to about there, there were a lot of potential cities being considered there were some snubs we'll talk about that but let's talk about where we know these games will be played in 2026 when it comes here across the atlantic to north america Obviously, New York, slash, which has to be also called Slash New Jersey, because, yes, it is in MetLife Stadium. Los Angeles, SoFi Stadium. Dallas at, you know, Jerry World. San Francisco Slash Bay Area, Levi's Stadium. For foreigners coming to this country, uh, you will not be able to take a trolley down to Levi's Stadium, so keep that in mind. Miami's going to host as well Hard Rock Stadium. Atlanta in Mercedes-Benz. Seattle at an MLS stadium there, Lumen Field. Houston, Boston, Philadelphia, And Kansas City, those rounds out your American cities. Also included in there, three cities in Mexico, Guadalajara, Monterrey, and Mexico City at the Estadio Azteca, the very famous huge stadium that is in the heart of Mexico's capital. And then Toronto and Vancouver round out your cities. This is really exciting for a lot of different reasons, Bernie. Uh, everyone's been kind of divided into this East-West-Central pods. We have a lot of we, a lot of travel to be done <laughs> across the continent for uh, many of these teams who will be playing here but also some very major major venues coming down here um i've been sitting here looking at a lot of these and racking my brain about where the final will even be held um off the top of my head i mean lincoln financial field in philadelphia great opportunity there huge stadium uh you know jerry world obviously the 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 death star at&t stadium hosted a lot although I don't know how people are going to deal with
5: the glare there, but we'll see. And then, hey, so Chris. F- what's up, Bernie? If there's one thing, if I could jump in, there's one other aspect of this tournament in 2026 that I consider to be significant, and I know you already know about this. Since 1998 the field's been 32 teams but FIFA voted 5 years ago to expand the field and in 2026 there'll be 48 teams instead of 32. I think that's great.
2: It is and it really accentuates the strengths of having this competition across so many places, across an entire continent to include me- and to, you know, to be able to shoulder that burden between Mexico, the United States and Canada as well. You've got a good mix in here of of cities that can host in in kind of uh, the group stages and for knockout. Like definitely, definitely like, you know, if it's going to be Houston or Seattle, they, they're going to be playing in MLS stadiums. They're going to be smaller sized stadiums, but then you can move a final to somewhere like Levi stadium, Hard Rock stadium, SoFi stadium, which by 2026, there will be the Crenshaw line built in Los Angeles, which will be able to like allow foot traffic between areas around LAX out to Inglewood to where SoFi stadium is. Which moves, which kind of you know, solves a lot of foot traffic problems for getting people around Los Angeles. So, there there was some interesting snubs on this. First off, I did not mention Washington D.C. They were one of the t- they were one of the places that really put in. However, there were some problems with their with their bid, and I had to laugh at this because I I looked it up because I was like, all right, where are they going to ho- hold this in D.C.? Turned out, D.C.'s bid would have been at m and Bank Stadium. Bernie, do you know where M&T
5: Bank Stadium is? It's about 30 miles outside of D.C.
2: Yeah, it's Baltimore. It's where the Baltimore Ravens play. Yep. It's not even in DC, so obviously they did not get the bid. I know plenty of people in DC felt like they were snubbed, but to be honest, they did not put together the best bid. Uh, Denver, I feel like, is probably the biggest snub here, though, because look, we've seen so many times the U.S. men's team plays in Denver. Mile High Stadium is a fantastic venue. It's much like Estadio Azteca. It's at a high altitude. It's a challenge to play up there, but it is iconic to the U.S. men's. For Denver not to be included feels uh it 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 feels bad i i feel bad for denver not being included they've held some of the biggest matches for the u.s men's and they will not be included in this world cup cincinnati is your also your other big snub i know they've poured a lot into this new mls stadium that's gone into cincinnati with their new football club uh no no world cup venue for them
5: Edmonton I believe Canada also had a Edmonton
2: stop. yeah so there was only a, I think a few places that were really in play for Canada and yeah, they're only going to have two venues, Toronto BC Place which, you know, if you ever seen the Canadian Football League, that's where the BC Lions play.
5: It's a great yeah, venue. In Vancouver, that's in, in Vancouver, Vancouver the BC v- Place. Yes. You know, that was built in the 80s. It's way it was way ahead of its time, the BC v- Place. I
2: I have been there for a BC Lions game have before, Have you been my there? Life. Yes, Art is I lived amazing. in Vancouver Art is for two. Years. Really? Vancouver. Yeah, Vancouver a wonderful city. Probably one of my favorite oh, no cities
5: kidding. on the West Coast. I've been to Toronto many times, uh and of course being in, you know, in Detroit heading into Windsor and such, but uh, I've never been to Vancouver, but that stadium, the B.C. place, it's it's almost 40 years old, and it's way ahead of its time. Yeah,
2: I think that'll be a fantastic showcase there. Again, Canada only gets two spots here. Mexico, I'm really interested to see this. All uh, I think Guadalajara is included in the West Pool, but Monterey and Mexico City in the Central with you know the t- Dallas, Houston, and Kansas City. Um, I like these pools a lot. I like kind of how they're trying to group travel together, because you know, Bernie, it's kind of hard to get around this country. This isn't like jumping on a train in France and going out to different well, places for the world to Distances,
5: talk. yeah. Well, the distances in Europe are much you're, closer. Yeah.
2: You're going to have to really plan out your road trips if you're going to go here, but I think they've done well to kind of group everything well together here. It's it, Again, we're looking down the road a bit, but it's very exciting because in just four short years we will have a World Cup here in the United States, and it will be a tremendous fever pitch, and again, I have to wonder who's going to host the final. I know that um, I think it was the Rose Bowl where the final was last time. It was here Nin- in '94. That 94. was an amazing. And
5: Baggio's missed shot around the world when he lost in right. a PK. I will never forget that.
2: So I think I think maybe they might hold it in SoFi for the final. We, we have to see. I I kind of dreaded that Dallas kind of gets it just by
5: default because Dallas seems to believe, always get these. Believe easily. it or not, I don't think LA is one of the finalists. I think it's going to be New York, New Jersey, or Dallas. Yeah, I, I could see with it a wink and a nod to maybe Atlanta, but I yeah, I think it could be Jerry's World or New York. Sleeper pick maybe Miami. Hard Rock yeah, Stadium. I, I, you know, I, I think they've got their short list. I think the fix is in. I really do.
2: Yeah, I could but, see uh, Philadelphia on that list too, but yeah, I think you're right. I if I was gonna put money on any that probably Met Life Stadium, it's not the most modern stadium, it does not look like SoFi, but I feel like FIFA is not going to lose an opportunity to hold a final in New York, the biggest city in North America.
5: And, and uh, we're out of time, unfortunately. But the reason a lot of folks internationally thought it was such a snub is because Washington, D.C. is the capital and uh, of our country, and people were wondering why there couldn't be uh, a game played in the capital. You and I know why they combined their bit with Baltimore. It's a long story, but the long and the short of it is good stuff. It'll be here for you, knowing to see the World Cup played on our show. Good stuff, as always, Chris. All right, coming up, we wrap up the show, and I want to give my final thoughts. On uh, yes, although the Golden State-Boston finals were a little bizarre and a little odd, and I'll tell you why, I'll also explain the trickery that Golden State used to provide their mastery over the Boston Celtics. I'm Bernie Frado. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio studios. Keep it locked right here. You're listening to Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio.
1: 6 p.m. book an exclusive reservation with resi global dining access Right this way. because the american express platinum card offers access to the centurion lounge must see live events and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants that's the powerful backing of american express see how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with amex terms apply
5: fox sports sunday fox sports radio and bernie frado coming to you live from las vegas fox sports radio studios before i go any further i want to thank my broadcast team back in los angeles Chris Perfett, Bo Benson, and Monty Bolaños on the updates. Great job tonight. Great teamwork. They've been with me since 11 p.m. Pacific on Saturday night. By the way, happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. And yes, I'm a father as well. Hope you enjoy Sunday and Father's Day. I know the Golden State Warriors will be. And I have got some final notes, some final thoughts about this series. Uh, that certainly wasn't an artistic and wasn't an epic, but it had its moments. And uh, at the end of the day, you know, they talked about the experience heading into the series. The Golden State players had had a cumulative 123 games of finals experience to Boston Zero. And it didn't matter the first three games, but I knew at the end of the series that would start to take root, and it did. And uh, And by the way, I want to give Jason Tatum... Uh, you know, come on, throw the man a bone. He's twenty-four years old, got his team to the finals, two games from a championship, and you can't it doesn't diminish what he did against Brooklyn and, and Miami and Milwaukee. But be that as it may, I'm gonna draw an analogy. The Chicago Bears once had a young tight end uh out of UCLA by the name of Tim Reitman, and he actually went to Mary Star of the Sea High School in Southern California, same high school as our own David Gascon, but I digress. So when Reitman was a, uh, a, a rookie with the Bears in one of the first games he ever played, they lined up against the New York Giants and the legend Lawrence Taylor. And as his, his Reitman lined up at his spot at tight end, a snarling Lawrence Taylor came up to the line of scrimmage, stared right at him and said, Sonny, when your quarterback receives the ball, when that ball is snapped, I'm going to go to the left. I'm going to knock your quarterback on his butt, put him out of the game. And there's nothing you can do about it. Well, Reitman knew the cadence and knew when the ball was going to be snapped. And just a second before the ball was actually snapped, he looked at Lawrence Taylor right in the eye and said, Mr. Taylor, is that your left or my left? Taylor was momentarily confused. The ball was snapped. Reitman fired off the line of scrimmage, hit Taylor in the nether region, knocked him on his butt. The Bears gained eight yards on the play. Lawrence looked at him and says, not bad. It's that kind of moxie, that kind of chicanery that the Golden I say this in a good way that the Golden State Warriors used to win their eighth championship in their history. They just knew what they needed to do when they needed to do it, from Draymond's histrionics to Steph taking over to Jordan Poole to Andrew Wiggins right on down the line, Steve Kerr's coaching, even bench Draymond for f- several key minutes in game 5. And again, this was not an artful series. For the first time in NBA history, every single game in the NBA Finals was a double-digit margin by the winning team. And by the way, Golden State became the first team in league history to go from the worst record in the NBA to champion in just two years. And not for nothing, Boston's Jason Tatum, the first player in NBA history with 100 turnovers in a postseason. By the way, he broke the record of a guy by the name of LeBron James. And while we're at it, For oddities, Mamas Let Your Babies Be Born at Akron General Medical Center in Ohio. Why? In addition to Steph Curry being born there, LeBron James was also born at Akron General Medical Center. So that medical center is now responsible for eight NBA championships, six league MVPs, five finals MVPs, not a bad record. When when it finally wound down with two and a half seconds to go, the look on Steph uh, Curry's face really really told, told it all. The tears and the emotions. This was a guy who really appreciated knowing that just two years ago, they were a million miles away from where they'd just been, but now they were back, but not as a crow fly. So when Curry literally collapsed on the floor and he was tears streaming down his face, he was all at once overwhelmed. He was stunned. He was joyous. And even even Game Six itself was a, a bit of an oddity. Um, the Warriors, you know, or check that Boston opens up with a 12-2 run to start the game, and the Warriors answer, wait for it, by going on a 52-19 run on the road in Boston in the NBA Finals, and he, he give it up. Steph Curry was he was electric. So was Draymond Green. He hit the first three-pointer of the series, his first three-pointer of the series. And for a minute there, he looked like prime Draymond flying around on defense. And that was really the story of this series. Golden State's defense completely suffocated the young Celtics. Boston on offense at times looked like a drunk crossing an icy street. 40 turnovers in game five and game six, cumulatively. That is not the stuff legends are made of. Here's what's interesting. The Warriors showed you a team that most don't talk about. People don't really talk about the Warriors and their defense. They had a top five defense all season. Andrew Wiggins, he had Jason Tatum in a vice. In hell, 13 points on 18 shots, and yes, it was Boston's defense that came into the series feared, but the Warriors' defense leaves with the ring. And oh, by the way, Steph Curry finally gets his finals MVP, the one that's been looting him. How did the Warriors do it? Stubbornness. They refused to go away. They refused to go away the last couple years, even though they had injuries galore and other issues. Stubbornness to the likes of Larry Bird, Magic, and Thomas, and Jordan, and Isaiah, Duncan, Kobe. No matter how much you win, you always want to win more, and they weren't satisfied, and that's why you got to tip your cap to the Golden State Warriors. They truly have championship DNA even if you're not a fan, and I'm not a fan, but I will tip my cap to the Golden State Warriors. All right, that's going to do it. Thanks for listening. I'm Bernie Frato. This is Fox Sports Sunday on Fox Sports Radio. Keep it locked. Andy Furman and Brian Noe up next.
0: Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt
5: Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of Controversy.